Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by the other one, Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? The slightly more American one. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm sorry for surprising and alarming you with an actual phone call the other day. I, I'm trying to give myself a new rule that if there's too many back and forths, I'm just going to click the phone and interact with a human being. It goes against all my instincts. But I think in the times we're in, having that at least face-to-face contact is important. So I've been desperately trying just to call people more. Yeah, I was concerned that you may have suffered some head injuries that we were unaware of. I've always been anti-calling. The reason is because it feels needy that someone's like, no, respond to me now. But if we're already messaging, I thought we, I would just call you. But what I didn't realize was that in America land, it was still very much the morning time. So very sorry to your family who suddenly got a face and a room full of spanners, face and audio. Well, they didn't see your face. They did get your audio. But the hilarious thing is you failed to note, but I know you want me to, was the fact that when I said, do you want to say hi to Spanners? They were both like, no, 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 no. It's far too early in the morning for anyone to see my face. Oh, that is uh, that is a shame. All right. Well, uh, I'm here to tell you that not just to call people more, but that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined on the panel, a returning, recurring guest, Alex Brundle. Good evening, Alex. You see, returning sounded good. Recurring sounded a bit like, you know, like I could have a dot here, you know, a dot over my head, like I just recur and continue endlessly. Math joke. I get many of those. 
I understand it. I promise. No, uh, the reason I said uh, returning and recurring was because you were coming on quite regularly. And then you've been a little bit busy this year being a superstar on the telly commentator and everything, uh, which is why we're delighted to have you back on. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a good year racing and then commentary, which is kind of, I guess, the main thrust of our discussion here. And uh, and all the other bits I've been doing, but uh, always good to come back. Always good to boomerang back to you, Spanners, in the and shed. talk about a little bit of uh, F one and probably some F two. I would have thought. Right. So uh, I've got a master plan. Here's my plan because eventually my plan is to persuade you to be a semi regular recurring panelist to give us kind of snappy hot takes from the heart of F1. Uh, and uh, we do want to get your views on current F1 now because I'm sure you do have some some spicy takes on that. But I'm also just desperate to talk to you about this year and your professional involvement with FOM, commentating on F2 and F1 on F1 TV as well. So firstly, great job on F2. I tuned in, A, because you nagged me to watch more than F1, but also excited to see how you got on there. We've heard you commentating a bit uh, at our karting events a few years back, and everyone was kind of stunned like, oh, dude, like, can actually do it. We thought we were kind of bullying you into having getting on the mic. Uh, but on the F2 comms, you have a style that is really, uh, it's high energy comms and it's not annoying. It's just very present. And uh, so firstly, like, good job. How have you enjoyed that? And, you know, is that a deliberate style approach or did you just let it come out however? Well, thanks, firstly. Um, it's It's been really nice, actually. I mean, I've... I've I've enjoyed um, quite a lot of really pleasant feedback, which, you know, having had the experience extremely luckily of seeing inside telly for a, for a decent period of time with, uh, with what, everything that dad's been doing, I, I know is, you know, there, there are always a group of people who are not going to enjoy uh, everything that you do, but I've been really lucky in, in the feedback that I've, I've received on it. And, and even people that weren't necessarily immediately positive are really like, con- I think at that level, people just love motorsport, you know, and they were really kind of constructive and helpful and, and quite insightful as a group that people watching. Um, no, I don't try specifically hard at it. And um, I, I think Alex Jakes across the box from me is pretty mega. And it actually flatters me quite a lot um, because realistically he, he, he manages the race in such a way that gives me the time to put myself kind of in the car of whoever we happen to be watching at the moment. And then imagine what it might be a bit like to be them. And then imagine what their next challenge will be or what they might think to do. And then me going through that process gives him a bit of time to kind of take a breather and think about, what the championship's doing or the kind of broader overarching perspective. And I guess it was like a, a partnership that works uh, quite nicely, but we totally fell into those roles. Like it, it wasn't something that, you know, we either of us had to, to work out at all, um, which was kind of nice. I, I've had some experience on the karting scene of, of playing uh, that, that role. And sometimes you think, right, my job is just to give the, the main commentator a, a break <laughs> for a second, let him catch his breath and always have something ready to kind of pounce with and some kind of insight but i noticed with um with alex there was not it was not just him leading and calling the race and you having insight uh, much how the the main sky f1 commentary works like you were actually calling blow by blow as well yeah so we blur and and it's he looked at me halfway through the year and when this is absolutely wrong like, and I was expecting him to then try and kind of, you know, because he, he's a dude with so much experience now. He's been there, what, 
I'm probably doing a massive disservice by guessing, but I think it's seven years on uh, within that role in some capacity. Um, so he he knows absolutely how those races kind of are to be presented, how it comes across, uh, and so on and so forth. And he's overseen kind of a, a huge amount of the critical moments of that series. Um, and he said to me, "This is absolutely wrong, but." somehow it works. And he said, you'd probably be the only co-com I would let actually call the action Ah. directly, which was really sweet of him to say. So so we weren't mad, Matt, when we were talking about that. No, no. Well, and I was just curious, like, I I mean, I know growing up, granted, it's not motorsport, but when, when we were growing up and you were watching a baseball game, like you were doing Little League or whatever, you always sort of had that little commentator voice in your head. But as far as comms go, was that something you had really sort of like thought, oh, I always want to do this. I want to get into this. Or was it just kind of a thing where they said, oh, hey, look, you're a, you're a driver. You know something about it. Uh, would you like to jump in and give it a go? Yeah, not at all. Uh, I didn't really, it's not something that I necessarily aspired towards. And honestly, the, the color side of the box. So I, I would, I would, uh, denote the two sides of the box as, you know, color being Alex's job or call it whatever you want lead. And then, you know, obviously technical being, being my side and the color side of the com box is still something I have absolutely no intention of doing. Uh, that takes a huge amount of preparation is a viciously underestimated job. Like it's, I, I perhaps it's just cause I don't fall into it naturally, but it's way harder than what I, than what I do on my side. So uh, it's not something I was tremendously interested in, but what I am really interested in is sharing motorsport and kind of like, I always, whenever I meet somebody new or, uh, or somebody is interested in what I do, I kind of find myself, breaking it down for for them because they are not because I'm just sitting there going right let me tell you about this thing I really you know I'm costing people in bars but I like <laughs> breaking it down for them and, and trying to <laughs> relate it to stuff they understand you know always ask for yeah. consent when cornering someone to explain formula, <laughs> formula one to yes. them go on Matt well no I was just thinking back I mean it's that same kind of thing I know I get I like to do the technical shows with Summers because there's so much more going on than most people know. And it just makes it that much more fun when you're watching, if you know about it. So is it that kind of a thing that really sort of uh, gets you going? You know, it's when you see people who, and I, and I, I work with a group of people in, in F1 TV who know F1, you know, inside out in the way that it's broadcast and in the way that it's delivered. And I've watched F1 for years, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, those guys, when you see those guys go, uh, they say th- things to me sometimes, like when we're doing like little technical bits, because I, th- the thing I really love to do, honestly, is I do little technical bits as well for F1 TV, for the pit lane yes. channel, for the pre-race yeah. show. And sometimes that gets kind of pumped out on social, um, which is awesome. And when those people say, I always knew this, but I didn't really... I never really engaged with the information in that way. Then, you know, then, you know, you've hit something that is actually going to be helpful to the viewer and, and add to their enjoyment of the sport. So I'm assuming like, you know, the teams that cover Formula One for, for Sky um, and you've obviously been producing those segments for, for F1 TV. Like I'm, I'm curious as, as to when we see 
uh, Anthony Davison on the Skypad or one of your segments or Karun Chanduk, um, have they been fed, hey, guys, we need an explanation for this? Or is that you jumping up and down and you saying, I, I need to show you why the leader is is understeering through cops? So the really interesting thing is that I I don't work for Sky at all. I I literally the only time I've ever so uh, and I'm coming around to the answer to your question. Yeah, yeah, sure. e- essentially, each team is different. So and and I've had like a really limited kind of one box understanding of this from the group of people that I work with at the moment, and just the little bit I've done for Sky, which was basically uh, the Indy Five Hundred. Oh goodness. A while I can't remember whether it was last year or no, it wasn't this year. It was the year before, uh, and then some other little bits of, of F two commentary. Um, the the so for for F one TV, it's kind of a bit of both. Um, you you say I'd really like you come in to the office and go. I'd really like to talk about this thing, and then they go okay, uh, and then they kind of like knock it into shape from a televisual point of view. So you go, oh, I think this and this and this, and you might launch into a 10-minute explanation of how you Iron. think the temperature affects the, you know, the track or so on and so forth, and then they'll just basically make it so that it's vaguely watchable. <laughs> so you'll get, you'll get support, but you're the inspiration, Matt. Yeah, I know the chat room is egging me on to mention tires and ask for an explanation, but I actually have a different question. When I, when I watch a race... And, and I write race reports. I have the race on. I have the timing screen. I have the GPS so I know where the cars are. Like, I have all my information. And even if a battle isn't featured on the main screen, I can still see it in the timing popping up and down. When you commentate, what are you looking at? Ooh, Who is talking to you? Where question. is your information coming from? Okay, so all, all of my inf- so, um in our particular situation, and again, like this is something which I actually really love about it because it's super customizable, just in the same way as you can sit in a cockpit of a race car and go, I'd like, well, you can't actually in a spec can be two car, but in a Formula One car, you can, uh, and go, I want that paddle there. Like in a com box, you can literally go, right, guys, I need this there. I need that there. I need that there. I need him talking to me loud, him talking to me quietly and so on and so forth. So all of my information is visual. Uh, I have the things I rely on most in the com box are uh, RFID is a godsend to commentators. Explain. And by that, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, the, the tire information as it comes out, which oh. exact tire they're using and where it came from, which ones they've given back and how many they've got left and how many laps they've done on them. We keep a beady eye on the race control feed. So, you know, when, uh, things basically get missed like uh, a penalty for him or a penalty, you know, here, there shouldn't have passed this light should have passed that light. There's so much information on the race control feed, which is the the feed that sits underneath the timing screen and the race director really tells you everything. Um, And then the driver tracker I'll sit with. Um, But yeah, so those bits of information plus the IF I can, I can kind of get everything. Yeah. Is it hard for you if you see a battle coming up, like down the field, let's say, because the tendency of the race director um, from the TV point of view, from watching TV is a lot of times, and naturally you tend to focus at the front, but sometimes stuff happens further down the field. Uh, are you really stuck commenting on the video that they put in front of you 
where if or, or can you get them to get either off screen or on can you get them to to drop down and look at something where you see someone's gone from three seconds back to three quarters of a second back and a lap and a half and you're like okay something's about to happen here so, so you, we get yeah, yeah. Totally. So we get a match. So what I commentate on for F1 is the pit lane channel of, of F1 TV. Right. Um, and, and so for that, it's quite an interesting setup. We have uh, three boxes. Well, this year we had three boxes, uh, one of which is the IF with the international feed, which is the feed that you goes out everywhere. And then we have another two onboard feeds or other feeds. Okay. So that gives me incredible freedom in the commentary box because what it means is I can mention something and then director Tom, who is just like awesome, can literally then go, okay, let's pop that in box three. And if it develops, then it'll come over to box one. Nice. You know, or, 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 or so on and so forth. And so we can work. It's, it's, we're talking to them and, and they, he's literally also talking to us. Uh, and, and it gives us a real feel for kind of how the race is developing. Do you, do you think that it steps up as you go up the hierarchy? I'm not saying that your position is lowly, but I'm just saying once you kind of get up to like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, please can I have some information? But once you get up to kind of David Croft levels um, or uh, the Channel 4 outgoing commentator whose name is just escaping me, someone help, help my embarrassment. Uh, ben. Edwards, Ben Edwards. Ben yeah. Edwards. Um, do you think they get more help and more information, like the likes of Sean Kelly feeding information and statistics? Do you get Do you get F one Statman helping get, you too? We get Kelly stuff. Yeah, we get Kelly stuff, and uh, and Jakesy gets him uh, gets him live as well. Um, he does an awesome kind of live feed. Um, but no, is the answer to your question not really? In fact, in fact, it, it changes the dynamic being at the venue versus being in Biggin Hill, which is where we are. Um, we never, we, ne- we make no kind of pretense, yeah. uh, pretense about yeah. that. Thank you. Um, but we get more in terms of statistical data. And then obviously someone like Crofty or, or, or dad or, or anyone else can actually then just go charging out into the paddock and ask the bloke which obviously we can't do. Right, yeah. So they've got that. Lydia Cruz in the chat room there said, uh, we didn't realise that the commentators had so much influence and definitely how it should be. And I, and I wonder how much of the world feed is directed by the likes of Crofty and Martin Brundle and yourselves saying things in the world feed going, oh, oh, good point. We should be watching the Minardi coming through the pack. Well, that's the other thing about the, the world feed, though, is it's like this behemoth, which is going out in multiple different languages. Uh, to to you know because the the IF is the IF you know between between the logos of of F1 is F1 that's it that's the product and so you can't actually really sway that the director is kind of making his own decisions where whereas on kind of on F1 TV we've got a little bit more kind of editorial uh, oh right like, I'm with you so you're not taking the direct world feed as such um, interesting oh. go on go on. Well, we are, but we can, yeah, we are, but we can kind of pick and choose. A I'm bit. with you. I'm with you. Interesting to say, uh, listen to you earlier saying that you felt like you couldn't do that kind of main commentator job, you know, that the one calling the race for race action, probably doing yourself down, probably could do that. Um, but something that strikes me is the amount of criticism David Croft gets. And having worked alongside like the likes of Jake Sanson, who's a very good karting and sports car commentator, what David Croft does is 
incredibly high skilled. I think sometimes people might take issue with, you know, his humor, but like he's a dad. He's got the same humor as me. But, um, the, you know, I'm just I'm just asking people to kind of confirm what I think, which is when I listen to David Croft, like him or, or not, his his technique and the skill just delivering all that information in a short amount of time is, is insane. Yeah, there, there there are two sides to that argument, aren't there? There's the side that where whereby uh, you say, well, yeah, no, that's a job a lot of people would like, and so uh, you know you should be excellent at it. And then there's the other side, which is, well, actually, he is excellent at it. I, I do, I do, I really do think Crofty is excellent at his job. Um, I, I think it's, and as you get to a bigger and bigger audience you know, you're going to get, as you know, so well through the broadcasting stuff that you've done, as the audience grows, the understanding tends to sort of reduce. Yeah. Um, that's because people, you know, that's, that's not because people are largely less intelligent. That's just because you happen onto the desk of more people, don't you? People find you, chance upon you because you're in those big audience areas. Um, rather than having to seek out your content, people who seek out your content, I would always say are kind of more inclined to know more about it and therefore be a little bit more forgiving and understanding and have a bit of a bit more of a yeah. kind of we know what you meant kind of vibe about uh the, the broadcasting that you do but that job is just i've never seen anything like the information last bit on comms from you matt well yeah i just wanted to ask and this is just maybe a personal thing for me whenever i watch a race there's that tendency to commentate but if you watch a race without commentary, I think I would find myself going that car in front of the other car with the other car behind it, doing the thing with the other car that's nearby. How difficult is it with the setup that you have to really identify who the drivers are and what's going on as, as especially like at the race start and stuff like that? Like, I, I have no idea how they keep track of it and how they manage to be as accurate as they are. It blows my mind. Blows my mind, too, because the great thing about my side of the box is yeah. I can do this <laughs> when when something when when no when something happens you know if a car goes off in the gravel yeah and you know well, we had this and again I know I overarchingly say the awesomeness of Jakey but like he allows me he literally had a conversation along the lines of if ever you see a car and you don't know who's in it or you don't know just literally turn around and and i will but, <laughs> and you know, my, my first weekend my first weekend you know you're talking 22 cars in, in formula 2 30 cars in formula 3 and then obviously the f1 drivers and the cars everybody knows but uh you know you're there learning 50 drivers their history where they came from a little bit about kind of how good they are and where they stand plus the regs plus this and that and uh, like before i jumped into this yeah sure i mean i watched it all don't get me wrong i i, I was super interested in it all but there's it's a it's a massive jump then from, from going, yeah, I watch F3. I really, you know, I really like F3. I did F3 for a little bit or when it was called GP3 to going, you know, that guy's Richard Vashore. I know all about him. He came from blah, 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 and so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you have to get to know a series as well. It's very, very hard to, to jump in. So like a, at my level, someone will say, you know, well, it is a tenor. Go and call that kart race. Oh, by the way, there's two different classes of carts and three weight categories within each one. You just don't stand a chance. You just go, oh, wow, go-karts are fun. This is good. <laughs> but uh, look, um, going away from the, the pure commentary side of it, uh, you have been following F2. You yourself competed in the second tier of single-seater motorsport as well. And, of course, you're currently a an LMP2 endurance driver too. Um, 
which is, you know, it's kind of weird. Endurance races are too long. They could be shorter. They could just have, you could have, you could have more races more frequently and not have to do, you wouldn't have to share a car then. That's all I'm thinking. Low, inten- low attention span is yeah. the problem with the, the generation that we have yep. now. So. I don't know. Well, yeah, look, just, hey, I'll, just, I'll just leave that there. The just, Le Mans race is 47 days long. It's, it, to me, it's, it's just not necessary. Um, rally exists. But anyway, uh, with Formula 2, obviously you're commentating on that. You've got a big interest. We had a bit of a discussion when we had substitute drivers were being re- required. And basically all of those were Nico Hulkenberg uh, filling in for various people uh, and, and Fittipaldi as well. So it brought Over about two teams at once. Yeah, yeah we, had, we had um <laughs> quite a discussion around the preparedness of Formula Two drivers, and it feels to me from the outside. Please tell me if I'm wrong, that Formula Two drivers don't feel like they could. They're up to the standard that they could readily jump into an F1 car. They almost need more of a bedding in once they get to F1, and we give rookies a huge grace period in Formula One. Should it not be the case, like in kind of like in football, that a um, you know, a, 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 a League One defender should be able to just like go into the Premiership and, and at least be able to be part of the play. What's interesting is that the the concept of Formula Two is very, you know, the cars are actually quite basic. You know, this, the suspension of a Formula Two car is incredibly basic. And that's, you know, partially to keep costs down, but also because in the inception of the championship, when it was, you know, back in the, back in the good old days of GP2, the concept of the cars where they were supposed to be a bit sort of beastie to try to sort out who could drive and who couldn't. And you jump from a car that's actually very, very powerful, incredibly heavy on the steering, uh, incredibly aggressive in terms of a driving experience to a car that's probably, well, is the most refined racing experience in the world. And it's just it's just not the same. Even you know, it's a V6 turbo and a V6 turbo, but you know, yeah. one of them has a great big old lumper boost in the middle of the power curve. The other one has, you know, an MGUH just spool the turbo up for you, so you never <laughs> real, you never, you know, suffer a second of lag. It's it, they're just not that not that similar. Yeah, they're not that similar, and yet what I'm interested in as much as anything else is, and I'm, and you commentated on, on the Indy 500. So you're aware of, of Indy and you may or may not be aware of like the ladder to Indy where they've set up uh, uh, from, you could have $5,000. And if you're good enough, you can get all the way to Indy just by winning each successive series. Yeah, now, yeah. F2, which used to be GP2 was set up to be the ladder to formula one. Yeah. But looking at the results and looking at what's happened over the last few years, is it really doing that anymore? And it's sort of as part of that question, because I'm famous for multi-part questions, I have to ask at least one. You'll need a notepad and pen. According to my contract. (laughs) Um, Is it really as much of a spec series as they originally intended at this point? So there's, there's no such thing as a series where all of the cars are exactly the same. And that's, that is, you know, that's motor, but that's motorsport wide purely because, you know, it's far more complex than, you know, the change the roll bars, change the springs, get a nice balance and off we go, you know, because of the way that cars work in real terms through the air, right? Uh, because of rake and ride height and pure efficiency of, of, of running a, a race car through the air and such things. So, some cars will be better than other cars. And then over time, market forces, because we operate in a marketplace, will suggest that those cars are always going to become more expensive. 
right? Or, or, or be only, you know, you can buy it with money or you can buy it with talent to a degree, or you can buy it with a combination, which is probably the most, the most realistic. Um, is it doing that job? Well, the hashtag it has is road to F1. If you've ever seen any of the, if you've had, ever seen any of Formula 2, Formula 3 social medias, they use road to F1 as a hashtag. Um, the driver academies are, are they who are supposed to be making sure that these series are financially viable in whatever way. Uh, but in real terms, there are so many drivers trying to be in the driver academies that actually, you know, drivers are looking for a way into F1 or, or, or into those academies. And they're still being asked to essentially pay their way while they throw a, you know, manufacturer badge on their chest purely because they feel it's going to give them a better opportunity later on. Uh, that is the argument of motorsport, the, the, the endless argument of motorsport is how do we make these things more available, more inclusive, more talent centric, you know, and we could go on. <laughs> we certainly could. Uh, but why don't we go to some listener questions? So we've gone into the deep bowels of our Slack group. Not always a good idea. They're a friendly bunch, but they, um, they're easily startled and they return in herds. Uh, but Rotage has come up with a, a great question, uh, given the, the contract negotiations still all going uh, with, um, with Lewis Hamilton. He asks, if you could drive F1 next year... Hang on, how old are you, Alex? Getting 30 on now. Th- 30. Ooh, getting on a bit, that. Oh, you don't want to start... Not as old as Hamilton. Don't want to start, start a new thing at 30. Jeez, it's, it's gone. Uh, no, if, you could, if you could drive an F1 car next year, would you go in as Hamilton's teammate at Mercedes or, oh, this is interesting, or replace Verstappen at Red Bull as the number one? Oh, feels, like that's a, feels like that's a no-brainer, but is it? Where, where would you go? No, I, I think you've got to re- replace Verstappen, haven't you? you because you, you've then got an opportunity to be against a teammate who's also new across the garage, being Sergio Perez. So you can, you can all you can fight for that dominance in the team. We've seen it all year long how important the dominance in those different teams is, whether it's with Albon, you know, whether it's with uh, Bottas, or to a lesser extent, whether it's with Vettel at Ferrari. Um, that you know, you've got to be Mister 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 Number One in the team. I, I think so. And, and has that changed? I, I think I get the feeling like more and more the teams are moving towards this kind of favouring a number one driver. The top three teams certainly seem to if you look at uh the the stroll project like there's no way they don't end up favoring lance eventually and i don't know if the teams are moving that way matt what do you reckon uh no i i think that they they kind of absolutely are and i just need to apologize on behalf of the show for all of the rumors that you'll be driving for mercedes next year <laughs> that we've now inadvertently started that's that's not an apology that's i i, I will write you a i'll write you an email of thanks after, yeah rumors after always help time. don't they rumors always yeah. help but yeah do, do you think do you think maybe like f1 teams start, that if i was a manager i would definitely go down that route i would have a number two driver who's there to help me understands his his role and i would have our our champion elect that would be the one pushing forward for the most points and and every opportunity i had to swap them I would swap them. I would be open about it because like, yeah, we're trying to get Max the most points. I think you've got to recognize that, you know, the drivers are competitive. And when you spend a little bit of time with them, they they literally see their careers as a ticking clock in terms of winning. You, you don't arrive 
in, and I'm talking about an extremely competitive seat in Formula One. Yeah. Uh, my view is that you don't arrive in an extremely competitive seat in Formula One by being the kind of guy who is okay losing. Sure. And so I certainly, and I have been in a situation in a team where uh, the. Always being careful. Yeah, this means it's good gossip. Essentially, <laughs> was essentially set set up around another car, and I went mad. Really, I went absolutely mad at them. Just how did you find out? Pushed them to the limit. Oh, because you know when you've been around racing for long enough, these things become obvious. You know, it's uh, it, it there's there's so much stuff that just so happens. And then, then after a while, it's kind of like, come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So, do, do you think but, like, um, so yeah, they, and, and you, yeah. just, you just don't accept. You just don't accept it. You just don't accept it. There, there's, and so you know, essentially, it's one of those things where if a driver is all of a sudden okay to finish second, they won't finish second. The way you finish second in Formula One is by trying to win and failing. Like, if you're okay to finish second, you'll be you, you'll be twentieth. <laughs> um, so, you know? so do you, do you, I mean, you get accused of conspiracy theories all the time when you go, oh, ooh, you know, no, well, no, in general, <laughs> if you suggest that a driver is getting preferential treatment over another one, people are almost like aghast. They're like, no, uh, d- don't be silly. That would never happen. Like, it definitely does happen, doesn't it? Yeah, they do what every single oppressor ever would do, which is basically make you feel like your views are gaslighting like crazy and out there and yeah but you know of course yeah but, but teams are doing what's best for teams and in the end you have to sit back afterwards and think well yeah i mean i'd probably do what was best for the team too if i was running the team but as i'm driving for the team i'm doing what's best for 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 me and, and my side of the garage you know but if you're hired to do a job then you do it yeah, so this brings up the interesting and curious question of Alex Albon, because I know from talking to Summers on some of our tech shows, he's been pretty adamant that that Albon was doing a lot of donkey work for Red Bull during the season and rarely had the same setup, same car as Max had. Does that happen more often than not? And and does that happen in F two as well, or is that is that really just a feature when you get all the way to the to the big leagues in F one? I think it's a bigger deal in F one because you've got uh, you've not got spec cars and you've not got you know you've got continuous development of the car as well, right? So right. there are there are so many facets to the way that the cars are prepared and set up that actually it becomes ever easier to not quite have the same thing. I mean, if you if you go out in FP1 with exactly the t- same car as your teammate, then the team have missed an opportunity to tr- try two things. Yeah. So actually, you know, they should, they do and they should have different things. What will be uh, built in intrinsically or complained about by the driver is if, you know, all of a sudden, all of those new elements appear to stack up in one direction. And, you know, if you have a, a slightly better front wing and a, and a bit of a second string front wing that might work out, but probably won't. And that keeps arriving on your car. <laughs> and then the two floors are the same. And then the two rear wings, the same. And all of a sudden, well, hold on, mate, I'm giving away a few points of downforce here. <laughs> Yeah, but we're just trying these all of these things on your car. You know, if you're at Monza and you're trying the medium downforce setup for Spa the next week, and your teammates flat out on the on the low downforce setup getting his laps in, you know, 
Yeah. Okay. That, that's exactly, I mean, I think that's a dynamic that oftentimes gets overlooked if you're just a casual Formula One viewer. I think it's every, every I had a teammate, a very clever guy called Olivier Plat, who said to me once, uh, for every tenth of a second, the car is off, the driver will add two in his mind. And I believe it to be true in that you, if you believe that you are, you know, once that gets into your head and once you know you are second priority, you don't drive your best either. And then that's where you get these guys, you know, these drivers in, in their downward spiral cycles. And then they need a change then, yeah. you know, like, it's like Vettel has done this year, jumping to Aston Martin. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Do, do we think that part of Alex Albon's uh, performance, which was so stark and so kind of jarringly bad from the outside, that he couldn't he couldn't possibly be exactly that bad? He might have been underperforming. He might have been not doing as well as Verstappen, but he can't actually have been that bad. And I think that's probably why George Russell, you know, his friend, is giving interviews being very upset, saying Red Bull are making him look like mugs. He's not slow like that. But what we're actually looking at is like compounding factors. Totally. Well, it's such a complicated sport that nothing is ever just one thing. You don't go, uh, you know, you don't go to a racetrack and are just slow for purely one reason. That's never, ever happened to me. Uh, so certainly, you know, you're behind the game, you get off the pace, then you get under pressure, then the media start talking about you, then the team yeah. start talking about you, and it all just sort of collapses. How, uh, how much did... Under- Sorry about that. Sorry to interrupt you there, Alex. I just suddenly realised, like, how, how much did that pressure get to you when you were in... Um, it, it was it was the old Formula 2, wasn't it, before GP2? Like, you must have had big media attention as you were coming through the ranks, people watching you particularly more than maybe another driver and like everything you do is then on motorsport.com. That must affect how you drive the next day. 
Totally. I mean, I had a really an awful year in in British Formula Three uh, the year before. Actually, that my, my my second year in Formula Two was was probably one of my better years in in single seaters. I was you know up on the podium and on pole and that kind of thing. And I, I kind of I built a bit of momentum uh, to take things kind of as far as realistically the the finances would allow me to go in in that environment. But the year before in British Formula Three, uh, we didn't have the downforce. Uh, it was the period of Formula Three where Carlin were just destroying everyone. I was I was in my T Sport car. I didn't have a teammate. I didn't have any data to compare against. And you just you know, as a young driver and a, a driver in my position as well, you know, you're getting like hate mail and kind Sugar, of people really? saying, "Ah, oh, big time, yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, you you're a disgrace to your family <laughs> name and so on and so forth. Yeah, really bad. And and it's. You know, you're young. I was probably I was 18 at the time, and it you know you've it, it tests your mental strength. That it's a it's a t- it's a tough time. Disgrace to your family name. That is like properly oh, savage. I can't, I can't believe people would say stuff like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, and being 18, like you've just got you're not prepared at that that point to you're not emotionally mature to take that on. But I think some young people are. And that is often the difference between, you know, a guy like Max Verstappen and, you know, maybe another guy like Lando Norris and then someone who would end up kind of maybe in sports cars a little bit later on where, um, yeah, okay, you know, there's probably a talent differential, certainly at that age, a talent differential. But I think a lot of it is just their pure, you know, Max Verstappen would write back, you know, no, I'm not, no, you're a disgrace. You're a disgrace writing me a message like that rather than just, you know, cowering in a corner or, or feeling really sad about it. There are, there are young, young people who just truly believed at that age through some kind of quirk of genetics and upbringing. (laughs) And then they, they just batter through all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, as a musician and a performer, like, and, and I have faced similar challenges where people have said, do it or die, where you know if a single, if you miss a single note, you're done. They will never call you again. Like some people just have a head for that thing. It mm. doesn't bother them or it actively makes them even better. And other people are, they they have a longer development curve. So so yeah, I, I feel that must have been really difficult for you personally, uh, regardless of who you are. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it is tough, and in a, and young drivers now have it way more you know, aggressively as well because social media is so much bigger. Uh, everyone's got a comment, and it kind of depersonalizes them as well. And um, it's a responsibility I certainly feel in the commentary box because I've been there. I've been one of those young people. I had my high days, and I had my mm. low days, and I had my poles, and I had my crashes. And uh, I, I feel the necessity to be uh supportive of them just whatever whatever is going on and in some instances they're being extremely you know unintelligent about (laughs) about you know if you're just if you're just being crass or rude or you know and i think no need to characterize those you know particular uh directives but uh, <laughs> crass or rude or, or or you know incorrect then that's another matter but when young men and women are having trouble in the car uh you know you, you certainly try and be as supportive as possible there's no use loading on them you know, because it just 
what's the benefit? Right? I wonder if uh, other commentators who've not had that same driver pressure, uh, you know, might feel differently, and you can sit there and get a sharp elbow from Alex Brundle in in the side of their in the side of their chest there. Uh, but let's move on to Aston Martin. Really exciting to see Aston Martin and that name come back in. We we obviously have to remember that it is it is also still Team Stroll. So I'm not sure how I feel about it. I've got nothing against, by the way, just so you know, between you and I and the audience. People think I'm a Lance Stroll hater. I'm really not. I just want to acknowledge, you know, the amount of chances that he's had that I think very few other people would have. And being in a very, uh, you know, a unique position that his dad's ambition for him is only limited by his his willpower to put money towards a team. Like, they, they essentially have limitless money as far as F1 goes. Probably they could make a punt to buy F1 if they really wanted to. But he's bought the team. He's publicly said, we're looking at world championships. So it looks like his ambition is in check. This isn't a phenomenon, Alex, that is going to go away. Aston Martin slash Stroll Racing is is here for the medium term, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Lance, actually, I can't remember the publication, but it was really interesting because he actually, he acknowledged that too this year. And he, he really did. He, I, I saw, I saw, I have to search out the article, but he essentially made clear that he understood more than ever that he had massive opportunity in the sport. Um, he has delivered results. He's been on pole this year. He's, you know, I, I'm really glad to see Sergio get a seat because Sergio deserves a seat. Uh, with all of the performances he gave uh, alongside Lance. Um, to a degree, until the moment comes where he has an Albon year, I can't really complain too much. Okay. And, uh, and I know, and, 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 I, and I understand that, you know, it kind of, it, it, the, the, the mechanism of the sport is how it is. There's an element of don't blame the player, blame the game on that one. Yeah, sure. Um, there is an element of that's a race team under, you know, in, in a, in a, with a British HQ under a British name, that's generating a load of jobs and that's generating a load of, you know, very high level engineering for people and, and they're a sponsor, they're a sponsor essentially. Um, although, yeah, I do understand that kind of, you people really feel kind of that there that there are huge opportunities there and that it's not nice the way necessarily the sport's working i don't necessarily feel that that should be to take away from lance's performances on track no. which have been there so he he is he is facing the particular challenge he is facing and so in the context of he is a driver on the grid, I'm absolutely not going to sit there and go, oh, boo, stroll, ha ha, in your face. You didn't do well because you've got money. I like that now. Eat the rich. That's Honestly, that is not the, the angle I'm taking, although I can see if it comes across like that. In, interesting. Matt, you get in first and I'll, I'll follow up with, uh, with, with what I thought of Alex's Alban comment, which was interesting. No, I would like to hear that. And of course... My main purpose in interjecting is to turn the conversation towards Alonzo and Renault. <laughs> but before we do that, I want to drop an interesting historical nugget. My wife actually works in costumes and she worked on a TV show and they did a survey and they found that the favorite kind of TBF episodes, uh, this would be like um, Law and Order episodes, was when rich people got their comeuppance. People like those episodes more than ever. And I think that might explain to a certain extent, why people tend to target Stroll just that little bit extra. Because he has 
because they want to see, you know, it, it sort of sets a little bit of a lie to the meritocracy yeah. of the sport, even though he clearly has talent, as do other people. I, I, I can't help it if my dad's a billionaire, right? I think you can, if if you're kind of robust in the way that you meet it and that you're, you know, psychologically prepared for it, I think that the the public as well can be actually, while slightly brutal sometimes, <laughs> can actually be tremendously instructive as well. You know, can actually be almost this kind of like uh, brutal force that just holds a mirror up to you and shows you yourself. Right. And I think we've seen you know, through through lockdown and everything like that. I think several drivers really, really got the brunt of that. Um, and, you know, if if he performs, then he should be in Formula One. And it's as simple as that. Like mm. if he was another driver, if he was another driver and you laid out his results, if you laid out those results anonymously without any backstory for this year, would he be fired? Yes, I, I don't. I think that's. A, think I think no. I think that's a, no. No, sorry. Yes, I think that's a fair question, uh, and I think that is the standard we should judge him by. And and I'm not blind to the pressures of having a billionaire dad and the expectation of well, you had an F1 team bought for you, you better do well. I'm I'm not doing that down at all. But you know, but but Lance is going to have all the opportunities they wish him to have. Mm. It's never going to get taken away from him. Probably the same with Mick Schumacher. It feels like he was always kind of going to get to F1. The, the, he was going to get chance after chance. It looks like he's done well and he's taken the chances he's gotten, but it feels like he was always going to get those chances, whereas other people, even very rich people, who come through that junior system don't get chance after chance and you, they get their one shot and it gets taken away. So that's me off my high horse. Why don't I let Matt steer the end of our conversation towards Renault and Alpine? Because we are sticking generally to an hour's programme during the off-season. And believe it or not, Matt, we got complaints. We got complaints for it being too long. No. And then we got complaints from people that it's, it's not long enough. So what we're going to do is we're going to stick to an hour for the off-season and then we'll relax a little bit as the season starts again. I think that seems entirely reasonable. We have a new boss at Alpine. We have Budkowski in. We have David Brivio in. And we have Alonso coming in. And as much as I'd love to hear your thoughts on Budkowski and Brivio, what I really want to know is... I mean, it's not like he's driven a lot of Formula One in the last two years. We certainly saw Ocon come in and have his own issues. He was out a single year and in the Mercedes simulator for a big chunk of that time. What's really going to happen with Alonso? I mean, like, how do you rate his chances? What 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 do you think is, is going to happen? He certainly looked like he was getting on with it around Abu Dhabi in his <laughs> old bus, though, didn't he, buddy? Yeah. Um, I think Fernando's not to be not to be underestimated, but also neither's Formula One uh, in its current guise, especially with how complicated the current power units are and how aggressive that is to get your head around. And when when everybody, you know, when the youngsters jump in and certainly uh, when people jump back into these cars, that's the feedback you get, that it's actually really complicated to get your head around uh, the power delivery and also kind of the the engine braking ERS stuff. Um, the proof will be in the pudding. I, I'm also interested to see how good that Renault is, That how good that Renault is next year. They've been kind of quiet. I've not really, you know, Ferrari, for example, Binotto has been going back to the factory and going, next year's car will be better. McLaren, next year's car will be better. I've, <laughs> yeah. not, 
I've not heard this the you know the trumpeting out of Renault unless you guys have seen something no. I, I've missed. No, um, they kind of just quietly done their thing as they obviously transition uh, into Alpine. But uh, Alonso's got the really difficult task of coming in of being a realistically team leader who's not been driving a Formula One car for a few years. That's 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 a really hard job to do. Speaking of the noises there coming out of management, obviously the old adage of uh, under promise over deliver. Do you think maybe because they've been beaten to good places by by McLaren, their customer team for 2020, is is there not just a little humility from them? And maybe we can applaud that instead of them coming out and, and like with a lot of bravado and saying, we will finish second next year. Maybe a bit of humility when your customer team's just beating you is, is correct. Yeah, and also, you know, Renault engine customers are becoming kind of right. a, a little bit fewer <laughs> and a little bit further between, aren't they, with, with McLaren moving away? Um, so I think they're recognizing that, you know, in, in the, in the power unit development race, they just, you know, lost a pretty serious chess piece with a very, very serious British team that, uh, could, could deliver a lot of data back to HQ and help them out. So maybe just a representation of how kind of bearish they're feeling uh, about next year. Driver question to a single seat, a driver, rarely do we get a, a top flight uh, single-seater endurance driver. I'm going to, for the sake of politeness, pretend that endurance is fine. Uh, but a top-flight driver in front of me that I can ask real questions about... Uh, oh, that's, I just uh, one just for longer. I just, re- just realised <laughs> that I'm insulting Brad. Uh, well, you know, what, what, what is it um, you got called? Semi-professionals when we were at the karting. <laughs> by, by the race control director. Cheers for that, Buckmore. Um, but we will be going to Buckmore when we get a karting event on the road. We'll definitely be going to Buckmore first, booked in. The second we're allowed, Buckmore Park, Missed Apex Karting will return. There was a question in the chat room there, so to answer that. We'll fly Matt over and everything, and we'll try and convince Alex to come and join us again. Um, always, I always find it, you know, when, when, when fast drivers agree to come and race with us mugs at Missed Apex Karting, and then I see you on track, like, getting punted by people, especially, like, our panel, and I'm like, oh, no. Rye House, you came to race with us, and I saw you get like wiped out in turn five in the final. Yeah. I'm like, oh god, oh god, he's not coming back. Uh, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I got distracted. How much does a break away from a particular series really affect it? Like how how much could you get match fit after two years out of LMP2 out of WEC? And you know, this is looking at Alonso. I mean, I think Formula One is just a compounding factor because the cars are all their own thing there's not the information out there so for example uh, to to give you a kind of a an idea if i was going to go and jump back let's say in even in a formula two car now oh yeah so i would i would get um uh, a load of information all the onboards would be there i'd know basically more or less kind of how the car worked i'd be able to look at the steering wheel and kind of deduce you know, how the systems are, you know, that's even before I've spoken to the team, then the team could tell me and confirm that information. If I was going to jump in uh, Renault's F1 car or Alpine, I know nothing. I literally, until I can go and try and delve into it, but likely I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, right? you'd be I don't fresh. know how the car feels. Yeah. Even the Formula One car I last drove is going to feel nothing like the Formula One car I'm going to drive now because all the regulations have changed. So it, it's it's an entirely unprepared experience. You're relying completely on your 
natural ability and your kind of database of understanding of how a race car generally is. Okay, so from LMP2, now uh, you've been you've been you've raced uh, five starts uh, in 2020 and hopefully more in 2021. What series that we we will we will have heard of? do you feel confident that you could go in and get up to speed? Like, where does it start to get complicated? Could you jump in a uh, an F4 car? Could you go club racing, for example, and do well at 750? Yeah, I mean, I had a discussion, for example, about super, a brief discussion about Super Formula this year. Like, right. I would be happy yes. to jump in a Super Formula car. You would? Uh, I'd be happy to jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happy to jump in. A, but happy to jump in anything, mate. You know, we, we, we're, yeah, it's not insurmountable. Like you, you're, you're, you go there, you study, you do your work. It's, it's not impossible. It's just a challenge. Um, and those, those challenges are to be overcome. And someone like Alonso will be more than, more than capable of overcoming them. It's just the recognition of the fact that that's, it's not a case of like slot him in and press play is a bit of work involved. Yeah. How long, <laughs> how long before he's back on pace? Do you think? I mean, do you reckon? I mean, obviously, this is all guessing because we don't have a lot of no, level data. A definitive answer. A couple of race distances. <gasps> I, do you know, I'm really. This is the argument I have with Matt. You see, because Matt is a massive Ocon Always. fan, so he is hoping that Alonso is going to come in and be garbage. But I just, I just strongly suspect Alonso is going to come in, and by Barcelona, he's just going to be incredible and brilliant, and Ocon's going to have a really hard time. I, I don't think Alonso will be garbage. But I think it's easy to underestimate the challenge involved when you're his age and have been out of the sport for two years. I mean, he, he has that kind of savage speed that, you know, and, and in the, at the end of the day, like the, the other thing is that if Alonso wants, Alonso gets. So, yeah. you know, if he needs a sequence of settings to, you know, if he needs the DRS, DRS paddle moved right to left because his left finger works better or <laughs> he needs the, you know, more brake pedal pressure, they'll change the cylinders or, or they'll change the by wire or whatever. Or, you know, if, if you know, whatever. It's a, it's a case of it's a case of making sure it all fits around him. Um, but then there's just that getting back into that speed and level and starting races next to you know the best twenty drivers in the world. I'll yeah. So in. you were talking like I mean I know Alcon came back and he was at a team with Ricardo and Ricardo was clearly the favorite driver because you know he'd been in the sport and Renault had spent buckets of money bringing him in to to lead the team. But you're talking like Alonso is just going to walk right into that same role. So do you see Elcon maybe uh, to a certain extent already being um, playing second fiddle, as it were, at the team? Or do you think if he establishes himself as fast that Renault will have to sort of uh, Alpine, excuse me, will will have (laughs) to kind of split their efforts in order to maintain their presence in the championship till Alonso gets up to speed? I think it's going to depend a lot on how Alonso hits the ground because Alonso is going to walk in the factory of the, with the, you know, wearing a previous world champion hat. And he's going to, he's going to walk in there with all of the kind of legend that surrounds him the last time (laughs) he he was there. And if he, and if he does hit the ground and go fast straight away, Ocon's got a big problem because Ocon will then end up in that second fiddle role. Uh, now, if he doesn't, then again, it's like the, 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 the reverse is true. You mm. know, then Alonso, it's, it's actually, there's a, there's a real kind of pivotal moment in there somewhere, isn't it? Maybe not in the first Grand Prix, but in the early phase of the season, 
if Alonso turns up and isn't the Alonso that we <laughs> are expecting, this is not the Alonso you ordered. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I've got. We're running out of time here. We've got. Oh, Matt, go on. You want to ask more Ocon questions? One Ocon question. No, I just. Oh, this is a simple question. Okay. So when it comes down to it, at Alpine, who's the pressure really on? Alonso or Ocon? Alonso for sure. Alonso for sure because he can he can uh, he can sway uh, by his delivery. Ocon will just do. We, I think you know we know what Ocon's going to do. Yeah. Ocon's going to do Ocon. He's going to be pretty good all the time, right? Right. And then if, if Alonso can go boom and just do the do the big quality lap, the midfield, do the Q three, do the top five, you know, whatever. Uh, then, uh, then Ocon's got got a problem. But until that happens, uh, I think Alonso's got a real kind of you know five out of ten kind of <laughs> benchmark there to clear. I I think I think that the things you're listing are disadvantages, like the attention, is actually a strength for Alonso. I think he wants all the attention on him. He will say, "Look at me. Yes, I have approached this like a warrior. <laughs> uh, look at my origami. Now look to the right. It's gone. Ha ha. Master of tricks." Um and he will thrive on that pressure. He will be, I think, as he gets older, he will be more vocal. He will be funnier. I think there's going to be a lot of social media attention around him. The the drive to survive team will just be like around him in a hive. So I'm really excited about an older Alonso returning. I know there's the stain of uh, 2008, etc. But uh, 2021 Alonso returning, I'm really, really excited about what that's going to do to the sport from an entertainment and value point of view. We've got a few minutes left, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you mind if I fire three quick questions from the from the listeners at you? And uh, they can be they yeah. can be yes, no, or maybe. Um, uh, well, let's see. So let's see. Uh, Oh, this is a good one from Jack. Um, would be interested to know what your race prep for WCEC events will will look like this year. New team based in Poland. I think we're allowed to say that. Okay, good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack says, I imagine sim time will be difficult. And actually, that's got to translate to F1 and single-seater racing as well. Everyone's got to be struggling with getting on-location time. So do you use a sim for LMP2? Not so. So I'm not completely... Uh, and, and Brad will be Brad will be screaming because he knows how much <laughs> sim work I did or yeah. how much sim stuff I did with him last lockdown. That was mainly for fun and also because I literally like was you know struggling for anything to do. Right, but it, it was yeah. <laughs> but I don't I don't use sims a whole bunch. I prepare very well in terms of you know making sure I know the sequence of actions that I have to take. I look at last year's races and so on and so forth. Most of the preparation is physical because the races are long and brutal, especially in the World Endurance Championship. Interesting. Ah, that's good. Right. Let's see. One more question. Um, I, I was so I was so enthralled in that answer that I, I forgot to, to read ahead. Um, ask about the rules? No, um, yeah, oh, yeah, that's the good one. Yes. Which rule would you get rid of? Who asked that question? Oh, it's um, this is by Stuart, who says, which, if you had the power... To ban any technology in F1, what would it be? Carbon brakes, flappy paddle, gear change, DRS, etc. Sky's the limit. Please not flappy paddle. I don't want to see people having to go back to do <laughs> grinding gears. I don't want that. So I've been working for, for, for yonks. I've had the argument with multiple people and lost for a sequence of off-topic reasons. 
Uh, but I would ban downforce above the floor. Okay. And I would love to ban downforce above the floor uh, in, a, in, a, in a modern single seat car because essentially the floor is all efficient downforce, which doesn't hold up the car behind. And the wings are what really generate ALO drag and B kind of disturb the dirty air. Name, name another, another transport method that requires downforce. Well, no, I can't. Name one. Well, I'm just there isn't airplanes, one. but it's upside down. <laughs> that's it's upside up down. For, yeah, that's up force. Yeah. So, so uh, it, it's bad for the it's bad for the sport. Okay, it makes the cars faster and more exciting yeah. to watch. But if they moved around, they'd be more exciting to watch. So it's bad for the sport, and it doesn't relate at all to any road technology. But barring you know hypercars that are trying to be oh, like Formula One, I see what you're driving at. Like, like okay, so the move to hybrid is because we're looking at road relevance. Not something I necessarily all the way agree with, but you're saying like downforce. It does. They're not going to sell more Ferraris based on the downforce on their road car because of that. Right, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. What, but also, yeah. but also, it's not good for the sport either, is it? No. What would we notice so, first so if they took if they took the above floor downforce away? What would we notice instantly? What would change? Okay, so, so the problem is that the terminal speed of the cars would be so high, right. <laughs> would be so high that we couldn't actually. So this, is, so when I when I said this to my dad, he said they couldn't do it because the racetracks would not be safe enough for cars to go that fast, which was a annoyingly positive, which was an annoyingly good argument. <laughs> Does, does he have a habit but, of... But what it also means you've got way less drag, so the cars can use way less fuel and be ecological. Well, couldn't you just... I mean, that seems solvable. Couldn't you just restrict the power? <laughs> or is that too simplistic? <laughs> yeah, but you could go the same speed for less fuel because they'd have less drag. Right, okay. Well, I don't want to get yelled at by Martin Brundle, so I, I'm just going to agree with him, if that's all right. <laughs> if that's no, all... you're wrong. <laughs> uh, John M. asks, uh, do you guys... I'm, I'm assuming he means uh, you and Alex Jacks. Do you also play Crofty Bingo as well when you're watching free practices and the like? That's a yes. I saw his reaction. That's a yes. <laughs> I, well, I'm calling. I'm calling every. I call every session. I call every session for F1 TV. So I, I never. I never have the opportunity uh, to uh, to watch any other broadcast. Oh, we've got some darling from you right at the end. Your mic was holding up beautifully there. Oh, sorry. sorry oh, I don't sorry. know. What you, it's. The, I think it's that pro sound that you've got there. It might just need unplugging and plugging back in. But then we're gonna we're gonna lose you. Uh, I'm sure. So what I will do is I'll take this opportunity to thank you so much uh, for coming and joining us in the shed and hope that we can speak to you throughout 2021. And and good luck with the commentary. I mean, I haven't asked, are you going to be doing that same thing again this year? Are we allowed to ask? Yeah, I'm confirmed. I'd I'd love to. Um, I'll be be chatting to them in the new year and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be continuing on. I'll just let that Daleky answer stand. That's Daleky Brundle. That is a that's a style choice. He said he said I'll come on Miss Apex, but only if I can Dalek at the end and, and sound like a sound like a Doctor Who character. You can follow him at Alex Brundle on social media. Doesn't need help from promo for me. Thank you very much to the live stream that have joined us. Very very sorry for the connection problems that you've been experiencing. I'm going to blame YouTube, my wife, and or Matt Trumpets. You can follow Matt at MattPT55. You can indeed. And I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't ask him to say exterminate at this point. Oh, yeah. Let's just do that. Say exterminate, please. Exterminate. 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 Yeah, that worked. That was 
That was a good call from Matt. He did that well. Uh, thank you for joining us in the Mist Apex off-season. Uh, we'll be back next week with a pre-recorded show where we're going to be speaking to a lawyer, uh, Peter Wright at UK Digital Law. He's been on before to discuss with us uh, driver contracts and the legality and legal concerns around Formula One. So we'll be talking to him about some contracting issues, try and get some insight on the Lewis Hamilton contract at Mercedes. Please, Mercedes, don't sign Lewis Hamilton before Sunday because that will render that show a disaster. But um, we're going to spend 40 minutes or so talking to Stuart Mitchell from Race Car Engineering magazine as well. So we're going to have a mixed law and tech time style show on Sunday. Thanks for being here. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Mist Apex. You can put a tip in the tip jar by going to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash tip jar. We'll hope to see you next Sunday, but wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mist Apex. I do hate to bring it up. What? Oh, no. Not that I have many because contenders because everyone was just so enthralled with Alex. Alex have, you, have you got two minutes? Do you have two minutes? Yeah. Or are you not going to get into trouble? We don't want spousal distress. Are you no, okay? No, no. She, she'll be undistressed. Okay. In that case, uh, Matt, why don't you give us three candidates for... Comment of the week. And Alex, as our guest, can pick the winner from the live chat comments. Okay. Well. Back to the early days when we were talking about people running 5Ks. Mr. Phil, 1999, says, I can run 4K on my TV. Nice. I like what he did there. Classic dad joke. Alex is not a dad, though, so don't know if that's going to work. Don't know if he'll get that. Wish. Uh, this is a bit of insider joking, but Stuart Neal goes, Can you ask Alex to explain tires as we still don't <clears throat> understand? That is just mocking Matt and his penchant yeah. for talking tires constantly. I agree. I agree. But Alex will agree with me. Tires are very, very important. They're critical. They're critical to, 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 to cars. But yep. not... And, and the sport of driving them. Yeah, but not to 80% of a podcast's content. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Content creator. That's all. Uh, and who's the third candidate, Matt? Finally, we have Lydia Cruz with... And this is tough. She had two, but I'm picking one. Second string front wing band name for your new band. Second string that, front that, wing. Surely that one. Surely that one. <laughs> who who was that? It's Matt? a done deal then. Who was it? It's Lydia Cruz with second string front wing band name for your new band. Oh dear, Lydia's not picked up a win for a while, but that's like her ninth win. She's becoming the Mercedes. <laughs> Of the, <laughs> of the chat room there. Thank you very much. Live stream. We're out of here. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.